Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Rooted Deep, a podcast featuring Reba Bowman and Allison Hale. everybody and welcome to Rooted Deep. I am Allison Hale and I'm here with Reba as usual and uh, can't get rid of her and uh, so <laughs> right now we have um, we're excited today to have an interview with a dear friend of mine Kelly Webb. She and I uh, were missionaries in the Dominican Republic together and just one of my dearest friends in the ministry and I just I know she's passionate about something specific and as we're trying to get rooted deep, I really wanted to just talk to her today. And Reba and I talked about, yes, Kelly's the one for this conversation. So we're excited to have you here today, Kelly. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, as we were chatting earlier, you know, the reality is I'm nothing and is but by the grace of God. So I'm grateful to be here. That's it's so great cool. to have you. Thank you so much. Kelly, I am just so excited you're here because this topic that we wanted to talk to you about is so um, it's so near and dear to my heart because I've spent such a, a long part of my life working with teenage girls, and mm -hmm. and and so as a result of that, I have seen the power and the influence of moms in those daughters' lives, and I have seen the uh, absolutely overwhelming devastation sometimes of the absence of a mom in the daughter's life, especially in those crucial teenage years. And, um, and we, we know, so let's just say this to get the pressure off your shoulders. We know that you're not a saint. We know that you're not, you know, the fourth part of the Trinity. And we know that you don't have a special voice in your ear, uh, giving you all kinds of special knowledge that nobody else has. Okay. So we'll just lay that out there and say, you're like a normal human being. Who's just a mom. Who's just really trying to raise your daughters. Um, but what I love and what I think you've done well is, uh, not been perfect, but been intentional. And I think that's the real word that I think we want to focus on today. You've not been a perfect mom and we're not going to bill you as one, but you've, you've somewhere along the line, you decided to be an intentional mom about discipling your daughters and about guiding them through their life. And so I'm so excited today because as we talk today, we're, that's exactly what we're going to zoom in on. Not only maybe things that you have done um, right and wrong, maybe things that you, you know, would, if you could look back, you do, we obviously we all have a huge list of things we do different, but also maybe some just encouraging words to moms that are listening right now who have teenage daughters who are thinking, oh my word, who is she and what do I do with her? And um, so I'm excited because I think this is going to be so helpful today to so many moms. Hmm. Well, thank you so much. And I want to start off by even saying, you know, I grew up in a loving home very loving home, but it's not like I had the example set out before me. And so often I feel like we'll use the excuse. I didn't have the pattern, you know, so, you know, I don't have the tools. Well, neither did I, and that's okay. And Christ doesn't set things up to where we have to depend on something from the past. Sure. And so we can release that from our shoulder. And, and I'd love to share about that as well. So oh, that's great. That's good. Um, one of the one of the things that we've talked about, and Kelly and I get together every time uh, we can if she's in the country. Um, and so I have my coffee. I know Kelly uh, has her coffee. Reba's got her juice box over there, so uh, <laughs> Reba's not a coffee drinker. And so we're just going to start out. And I and I do love the fact that you talked about. You know, not everybody. Everybody worries about. Well, I didn't have the perfect examples, or I didn't have the perfect past. So let's just let's talk about your testimony and how you grew up, and and why you're so passionate about, you know, your children. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I come from California. If any of you have flown into the LAX airport, I can walk to the airport. I'm from a small town, El Segundo. Grew up there with um, really my mom and my sister. Um, my parents divorced when I was about six years old and, you know, just over, over things of life, unfortunately. And uh, so we, I was raised there and um, when I was about 15, mom and my, her boyfriend at the time, Peter, who's now my stepdad, and my sister, we got up and we moved to Washington State, way out into the country where they still live. It was at that point that I really, really started going downhill. Mm -hmm. I'm not from a Christian home. As I said earlier, though, I just feel like, I feel like I really want to honor my family. Um, you know, it might not have been godly, but I just, I want to praise 
mama and stepdad. You know, I did come from a home where mom told me all the time, I just love you to death, you know. And, um, but it, you know, it, it was not led scripturally. Um, and so, and I was left to my own devices a lot. I got into a lot of trouble to the point where up in Washington state, um, there was a meeting, mom went down to the school, you know, I'm sure she was so frustrated about to pull her hair out. And, uh, it was talked about where they're not sure if they were going to let me back into school. Wow. I would have, if that was the summer between 10th grade and 11th grade, I had found myself think of some of the craziest things and I was I was in it Hmm. and I was just you know we're all born with a hole in our heart we're trying to fill it yeah and you know I was trying to fill it and it got so bad where I said you know what I'm gonna go live with my dad well dad for years had moved to Germany with his job and so I didn't think that through very well but God (laughs) was steps ahead of me and he was drawing me so I flew to Germany right after I turned 16. And as soon as I got there, you know, I moved in with my father and my stepmom. And they said, we're going to church tomorrow. And I about fell over. I thought, shoot, I just ran into a Christian home. How am I going to get up this? <laughs> and um, they had this dress. They bought me a dress because I thought, oh boy, not sure what she's going to come up with. And um, lo and behold, we went to a small uh, missionary to the military church. And I'm going to say that name. It was Chuck Sly, Chuck and Susan Sly. I still keep up with them. And I heard the gospel for the very first time in my life, the very first time in my life. And by the grace of God, I believed that it was the truth. Mm. I didn't accept it. It would be eight days later. On September 4th, 1989, I handed my life over to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he began chiseling away, you know. And so I spent my last two years of high school there in Germany. And then um, all of a sudden, you know, I hear the concept of Christian college. And all all this time, I'd been wanting to go to Pepperdine, you know. Yeah. So now it's, you know, Christian college. And I wound up at Pensacola Christian College because I heard it was by the beach. Hallelujah. (laughs) <laughs> and, oh, it's a little bit, yeah, it's, it's a bit stricter, but I was coming, I was going there from a very different perspective. Everything about everything was brand new to me and I was hungry. That's where I met my husband and um, John. Um, I studied missions. Um, God had really uh, impressed on my heart. Will you just hand your life over? Would you just hand your life over? And it was through that um, God started working on me toward international missions. It was no writing on the wall. It was just kind of a step-by-step. Yeah, I'm going to go forward. I'm going to, you know, go to that next step. And Spanish, I started having a fetish and a love for the Spanish language. It started just kind of coming to me. And so it was kind of like, you know, maybe a Spanish country, Spanish-speaking country. And uh, Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think, um, you know, understanding... They, uh, first of all, Spanish doesn't just come, you know, especially to Reba, poor thing. I can testify, Spanish does not just come to me. I wish it did. Spanish people come to her. She loves when she comes down to the, we're down in the Dominican and and people just flock to her presence. Um, But then all of a sudden, then they get there. She's got absolutely nothing to say except hola. After my third sentence, I'm done. (laughs) So... You know, and so when I met, when I met Callie, we were, uh, we were in college, but just briefly met. um, Mm -hmm. And then, then in the Dominican Republic, as a young missionary, we began growing, uh, growing a relationship. So tell us about your children were, were born mainly in, in the Dominican. I think all of them were born in the Dominican Republic. So tell us about that. Okay. So uh, actually Chloe was born there in Atlanta and that was during deputation years. She was born in the DR, and then we took her out at three months. We went straight to Costa Rica for language studies. Mm-hmm. But then by the time we're getting back around to go to the DR as permanent missionaries, I had Chloe on my hip as a one-year-old, and I was pregnant with Camille. I ended up having Camille and Christian there in the DR. Mm-hmm. Best advice I could give, you know, embrace the country you're going to. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so uh, Chloe is my oldest. She's about to turn 21. Camille is 19 and Christian is 17. We raised them in the DR. Um, we just, John and I stare at each other and say, we just feel like we're the most fortunate people on earth. Our children, um, 
And I know you and I um, believe some very, very the same on this. We chose to call the DR our home and the United States was the United States. And I think that played a lot into their upbringing and rooting in mm-hmm. the country that they were raised in. And uh, yeah. I think that's so cool because that, that probably established they had security and stability mm-hmm. in uh, not feeling like they were uh, split between two worlds, but home was the Dominican and they visited the United States. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's a lot more there and that's for another time and another place. But yeah. Um, one of the things that I think I see a lot in, um, in Christian families especially in the United States is there's so many options. There's youth group, there's different, there's, you know, there's Christian school, there's all sorts of, there's all sorts of opportunities for parents. And I think maybe sometimes parents are like, okay, the youth group can take care of them or the, you know, that's where they're going to get the Bible in church, but that's not necessarily how, you know, how you guys um, had it. You had a great church and a great youth group, but it was still kind of growing. So tell us about how important that, that is to you. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, I'm a missionary wife, but I'm also technically like a pastor's wife. And so if there's any pastor's wife that might be listening, I kind of want to speak into the heart of that. You know, the, the torment that's lingering on our shoulder is, you know, the, the, the pastor's kid, you know, right. Sure. Abandoned or put to the side, and that stigma is there. And I just that was constantly before me. And I just thought, you know, the ladies at church, whether on the mission field or or where we're at now, they knew that they were not first. My church was not first, and I was very vocal about saying that it was by conviction, it wasn't Mm. my opinion um, that my home was first, and so. And, you know, they were at my hip, whether when we did activities, we all did activities together. Um, the first person who formally discipled Chloe was not me. It was one of the church kids that was growing up and learning how to disciple. And we kind of just all did everything together. And if I couldn't do something, my excuse might be because I kind of want to have coffee with my kids. And I had to get over the shame of that and truly believe that I'm called to that, and that's okay. Yeah, that, that's powerful because I think uh, I see that so much in counseling uh, through the ministry. Um, so many, pa- so many women in ministry, whether they're a pastor's wife, a youth pastor's wife, or whatever role they play, um, we've elevated the ministry to be equal with God, and so therefore that's first, and then the kids and the husband or everybody else gets what's left over, and a lot of times we all understand how demanding ministry can be. There is not anything left over. <laughs> so, you know, so it's really bad. So I love that you talk about uh, just, I think maybe being intentional about putting your, you know, your obviously your husband and, and but putting those kids a high priority in your life to where they are above whatever you're doing for the women's ministry that week or whatever you're doing for your church that week, but your kids take that, take first place. You know, what are, Kelly, can you tell us some practical ways that that, you know, that you saw that fall out, uh, just being intentional about that, where your kids would see that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So that's a great question. And, and one that I think should be talked about because I think so many of us women, I go through it. I've gone through it. We struggle with that. Like oftentimes we'll, we'll be more apt. We won't say it, but we'll be more apt to please the outsider over our family. And I tell women all the time, who are you more willing to offend? Your girl at your side or the lady at church? We have to talk about that. Mm -hmm. I'm not willing to offend my child. And the more we go through that graciously, those ladies at church, they're resilient. They're going to actually learn from it. And so how we would practically work that out for years there in the DR, you know, we believe strongly in discipleship. Um, I never discipled at night. Mm. Um, my discipleship, you know, I, I did one discipleship um, at the lunch hour um, of one of the gals. I'd go meet her at her workplace. She worked at a hospital and we'd sit in my car. Sometimes I'd buy her KFC and we do discipleship at lunchtime. So that's a practical way because at night I just did 
for me, I determined we were going to be at home, mm. you know, gather as a family, like gather in the truth more than more than a picture on the wall. You know, we're going to we're going to fight to do that. Um, here we are. The kids are a little older. Um, and even like. Um, well, I, I want to touch on this a little bit more, but if we were to ask my kids, what's mom's first love? What is, what are my girls going to say? Are they going to say the ministry? Are they going to say shopping or are they going to say the home? And I, I want to talk about that more, but, um, and so that's a day by day. That's a daily decision. It's going to look different every single day. But when we, um, we've moved since being in the DR, we've moved to the United States. And I have to say, unfortunately, to the land that I'm from, I immediately saw the home was abandoned. Yet, ironically, if you were to look in the home, you're going to find bodies in there. Mm -hmm. And it was staggering for me. And I had to make some new changes and new decisions upon moving to the United States because we do live in a land that it is so fast paced. Yeah, I think you're exactly right about that. Um, and, and, you know, especially I think as your girls get into those teenage years, obviously there's that stage of toddler and, and young child and growing. But I think in, when they get into the teenage years, now our kids become become uh, in, entrenched in this fast-paced world um, and now they can be a million places and it seems like it's so easy for parents to fight the battle between wanting their kids to be involved and yet not wanting to disconnect um, mm -hmm. and you know what you know did you guys face some of those struggles and how did you how did you how did you work through those to stay connected to your kids you know something I want to say to mamas anybody that might be listening I say this to the ladies at church and to the younger mamas, don't be afraid to say no. I say no more than I say yes. Don't feel like if you don't say yes to all those kids' activities that they're going to be altered for life. Their greatest influence is you, mama. And that's good news. That's good news. Sometimes I'll say no to the kids, and it doesn't have to be an excuse. It might just be, guys, I just feel like we... We've been running a lot. I just, I just want to have a meal together on the back porch. That's my no. So, so not to be afraid to say no to things. And you might not have the exact reason why. So many times I say to the kids, I can't quite put my finger on it. I just feel this way, guys. Do you kind of get what I'm saying? And, and I talk to them like that. And so that would be something I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. I recently got a job. Oh, okay. Well, what are, what are you doing? Yeah. So I recently got a job and it's the first outside the ministry job I've had since 1996. It's kind of like wild and fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what are you, tell us about this wild and fun job you're doing, Kelly. <laughs> I'm nervous now. I really don't know what she's going to say. I had no idea. I'm working at KFC alongside my kids. <laughs> Are you really? And I'm really. A I'm a cleaner. I take temperatures and I clean. There As you go. In Spanish, Dominican, Spanish. I swap the ad. Yeah. <laughs> I disinfect, and I'm walking along. I'm working alongside them, but we're working together. We're having fun. Um, but I say that because just for me, this is for me, and not everybody. This is not everybody's situation. Um, they want me to work more hours and more hours and more hours. And they asked why I said no. So the battle of the excuse on why Kelly says no. This is recent. This is recent. And so I thought, okay, Kelly, don't, don't be ashamed. My answer no is because I just, I want to be at home. Mm -hmm. Now that's not everybody's case. We've got mamas at work that they have to, they're looking for more jobs because that's their circumstance. But for yeah. the one who, who wants to do this thing a little bit more, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't worry. Don't worry about the rest. If your reason is I, I just kind of want to be at home, 
because we're in a place and a time where that 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 gives off a bad stigma no you can't hardly find anybody that just that's okay and and i say that's okay yeah all right definitely i I've been in a I've been in a situation similar to where somebody asked me, okay, why can't you do this? And I'm I I literally had to say I I need a nap. That's all. I'm just gonna go home and rest. I just really need a nap. And the the person's face was just kind of like if there was an eye roll emoji. I mean, that's what you would have seen on her face, just <laughs> eye roll. And um, you know, it was just interesting. But just to know that your your children trust you enough to hear those no's or he, to hear that not misdirection, but to hear that prioritizing um, mm -hmm. in your conversations, I think is so important. Um, I've met your children, all three of them, and they're, they're so different. Um, so how did you, you know, you have three kids. How were you able to spend time? Did you spend time with them privately? Did you spend time with them individually? Um, and what did that kind of look like as you're, as you're working with, um, with just teaching your children? Yeah, that's a good question because they are all very different. They're all two years apart. Chloe and Camille, uh, they have always shared a bedroom until we moved to the United States. And so with kind of just pouring into them, a lot of it was together because it would be in their bedroom. And it was always um, our very intentional time was always at nighttime. And so there we found ourselves, the three of us, but as life came on and my girls started growing, you know, their personalities are starting to flourish and mom is starting to now pinpoint, okay, kind of like what makes each one tick. And so as they grew, I started narrowing in more one-on-one, -on -one. but on the, in the early years, yeah. I mean, it was just all of us together, you know, me and my girls, all three of us together. And, uh, so did you just kind of let conversation happen um, as it happens through the stories of the day or through the things, you know, that maybe they were dealing with? Or did you have those moments when girls are typical teenagers and suddenly they grow silent and have nothing to say and don't want to talk? Or, you know, uh, how did you navigate those conversations, uh, you know, within an everyday kind of life experience with your daughters? Yeah. And I say this a lot to 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 wimp to moms, mamas. Um, don't expect to be able to sit down at a table and go through a Bible study and expect them to roll out the issues of their heart. It's mm -hmm. gonna take time. And the the ball's in your court, mama. You know, mm -hmm. and so what I mean by that, practically speaking, is you know, after baths, I mean we're talking young, like nine and 11 is kind of around when it started, maybe even a little earlier, but, but at least by then, you know, after their baths, I'd be brushing their hair and we'd talk about silly things. So in other words, I had to have time. Yes. I couldn't keep looking at the clock. I couldn't be pressured by the clock. I have to throw it out the window and push away space to where I had time to do kind of just the nothingness and it's in the nothingness of just sitting in their room, maybe asking about the silliness of the day, what their, what was something funny today is when they would start to share. So it would take time and mm -hmm. I had to sacrifice that time. And so little by little, it was just kind of in those moments that, that they'd start to share and then I have to be willing to share too. I have to be willing to share my flops of the day. That breaks down barriers. Um, maybe I was just too super frazzled. So I'd have to be able to willing to go back to that spot today and talk about it. Mm -hmm. Ask forgiveness. That's going to drop the barriers. So that's kind of some setups for us and then of course we did we did go into some formal discipleship as well we went through book studies and how old were they when you thought that i realized not there's not a magic number because what may be appropriate for one child may not work for another but what what do you think is a good ballpark age for moms that would like to do something like that with their daughters don't minimize your child very good um, that is that's what I have to say. Don't think they're too young. Start young. Um, you know, I, I might not say an age, but I would prefer saying don't minimize them. Don't think, don't down them. 
but, but draw them up, draw them up and you draw down and just kind of meet in the middle. We started kind of some formal discipleship young before they were teenagers. Okay. Before my first hit the teenage years and you know, they might not catch everything. Who cares? They're catching something and yes. you're starting to see, and that's going to begin flourishing as they hit older years. And that's more my, my answer to that. It's a good answer. Yeah. I like that. So, you know, that's and we started with, um, we've gone through even just Proverbs. We've walked through Proverbs. We've thro- walked through a couple of Vicki Courtney's books. Um, she's got some great stuff. We even went through a book that I might not agree with absolutely everything, but it's preparing to be a helpmeet because there's just a side of society that I'm passionate about with being a wife. I, I did that with them when they were young. Mm-hmm. That's we interesting. Yeah. You know. You know, and well, thank you for sharing that. I think it's so important to um, to realize that you can't wait until those teenage years to start pouring into um, these foundational truths into your children, because by that time, so many other things have bombarded their minds and their hearts. And, um, you know, so what are some things as far as, you know, social media, television, you know, how were how you guys at filtering that into the house? You know, what what shows you watch, what shows, or if you, you know, if you did, I know I was at your house, you have a TV, so you're not, you know, um, a person that didn't have a a TV and we've talked about movies. Um, but you know, for your kids, what are some things and how, how were you able to filter just social media and television into your children's lives? That is such a mouthful. Um, so, you know, one thing like at dinner, at the dinner, at the table, whether it's breakfast, lunch, or dinner, um, we don't have our cell phones. And I have, you know what? They're not angels at that. They're constantly, they might want to have it down here. And, you know, as soon as I see this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Down in the lab, head straight down, right? Yeah. are not fooling not, anybody. How many years have we been doing this? And you're like, you know. Right. I, but uh, that is a rule, you know, could, could, could we please take 30 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, just converse, you know. Um, another thing I have to say in, in, I think all of this is discipling. You know, if I don't want my kids 24-7 on their phone. Right. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, she's pointing to herself. She's pointing so, to herself. Yeah. It's a podcast, Kelly. You got to yeah, say it out loud. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, she, yeah I, you can't be on your phone 24-7. And I can't. And that's where the rubber meets, you know, how's that expression? The rubber, yeah, meets, rubber the meets the road. That's where the rubber meets the road. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then as far as, you know, supervising, you know, when they were younger and, and, and Christian still, we have guidelines with them but my older ones and it might sound a little liberal or a little scary but I can't I can't force them I have to keep pouring into them and then um I have to I have to pray yeah and I have to keep speaking and keep teaching um with my with my older ones and it's up to them yeah. And I can't be fear-based parenting. I love that. Yeah. I and, love that. You know, and even saying that, that doesn't mean I don't fight that. I fight right. that constantly. Mm-hmm. Give it to God. Give it to God. You cannot, they're not robots. And I don't want that out of them. Right. And and you've got to give them space to own the truth that you've been pouring into them in a personal way so that it becomes personal to them, um, you know, and they stand on it, not because you require it, but because it's what they believe. Yes. Which is huge. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're, they're going to do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. They're going to do it. It, it. They'll find their way around it. I remember that. I was, I mean, I'm, I'm still a pro at it, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, we all know. And so, I, but I would have to say, you know, with, with discipling, 
You know, I, there's something I do want to touch on. What about the mama who's trying to disciple, but she's got a husband in her home that either is an unbeliever or maybe is not going in the same way as you. Frustration can come in because you're, you're trying to do it, but you've got somebody else living in the home that's kind of maybe even going against the grain. Mm. Um, the first thing I want to say is, and this is hard to say, but would there ever be a situation where you, mama, are ever satisfied? Yeah. Ouch, that hurts. So, so we always say, if then. If just this would happen then, but the reality is, could, could, we, could we just be content and grateful? Could we be content women and grateful women? I believe that will actually ironically go farther. God will work out what the missing links are. And I challenge you, mama, that's frustrated in that area, relax. And I challenge you to be content and to be grateful, that will speak volumes to your child. It will speak volumes because you know what? I'm married to a husband who's a pastor, preacher, loves the mission field. But the reality is I get, I get frustrated. You know what? You know, I'm, I'm always expecting everyone to walk my line. Mm. But the real challenge is, would you release it and be content? Your children are watching your every move. That's powerful. It really is. So good. That is, that is true. And I think we need to recognize that there are going to be obstacles, whether inside the home or outside the home, there's always going to be obstacles because Satan attacks family and he attacks, um, and he attacks your time. So if it's not something that's going to be inside the home, whether you have just too much work, your job is getting in the way of that, of, of that, or you don't have the right job to be able to Oh, I don't, I can't spend so many hours discipling my, my child, or I don't have the right, um, you know, spouse that, that is, is pouring in, but you still have to, there's always going to be obstacles to discipleship, but that's the road that you're on. And it does mm -hmm. need to be consistent, but with gratitude, like, like Kelly said, just be grateful for the moments that you have, but be intentional in, in taking those moments and, and, and moving forward or having a deep conversation. And when we say deep conversation, it's a conversation that's eye to eye. It's not a deep, necessarily deep, mm -hmm. meaningful, but it's deep as far as just profound time um, and attention. Um, maybe that's just the better word, just more attentive in those small moments. Because like, like Kelly said, you have to be grateful for, um, for the path that you're on and move kind of move with that instead of going against it because that does create create anxiety in the house and create anxiety for the kids more i wish i could spend more i wish i could do this but you know just kind of sitting back and being grateful um yeah. and attentive yeah yeah that, that's such a good word you know um even just you know i like what you said just the eye to eye so much even of our discipleship happened in the kitchen I'd bring right. my girls in that kitchen and I'd have them stir up and it gets sloppy or, you know, you know, you just bring them along with you mm -hmm. and, and conversations flow and they get sweet and they, they're going to be messy. Um, you know, another challenge I'd, I'd have to say, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something ugly about me. We want our children to not be sneaky. You know, all, all of us mamas, we're, we're wanting them not to be sneaky. We're wanting them not to lie. I find myself with the same, up against the same problem. Because you know what? I'm sneaky. I'm sneaky with buying. Ouch. Yeah. I noticed in myself that if I'm not careful, it might be, and, and I even talked about this I remember a couple of years ago, I bought a bracelet that was all of $11, but something about it, I hid it. I didn't want to show my husband. That's sneakiness. And so like, bring whatever you want in your child, like look at a mirror. Mm -hmm. what, what about in your own life? You want your children to be respectful of people over them? What about you, mama? Mm -hmm. It's like, just bring it back on yourself. Like be holy for I am holy. He wants truth in the inward parts. It's like, mama, 
let's start it with us. And, and what about the mama who's hearing this and their kid, their kids are 15. It's okay. God is not intimidated by time mm -hmm. and grace. There's grace for every situation. My, my, my answer to that, to the mama who's hearing this and their kids 15 and tears are rolling down their face because they're saying time has totally run away from me. What do I do? Love and understand them before requiring it from them. Don't require them to love and understand you first. I challenge you, mama, to chase after it from them first. Mm. Just That's so powerful. Yeah, because I, I think sometimes we, we uh, you know, it's easy to want something from somebody else that we are actually not willing to give ourselves. And, um, and, and a lot of times, and I think you kind of alluded to this, we're, we're waiting on somebody else to respond like we want them to respond first. And then we'll, and then we'll respond when, when we have to remember we are dealing with kids. And so somebody's got to be the adult in the room <laughs> and act like the adult in the room, right? And so we lead, you know, trying as adults, trying to look like Jesus. And hopefully our kids are following us. And as they follow us, they, they, they follow Jesus. And as they grow, hopefully when we fade out of the picture to a degree, they're still following Jesus, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, Kelly, let me ask you. Okay, I do too. I so. have one, quite one, one more question. I just wanted to see if you wanted to share uh, just a rooted deep moment with one of your kids, one of your kids, um, a conversation or a memory that you can just say, okay, uh, we're on the right track here or, you know, or I've got it more work to do. Um, what, what, what does one of those moments look like? It could be any of the kids. You don't even have to name them. Um, but, you know, just kind of tell us about one of those moments where you were like, okay, we're, we're, we're getting, getting our roots down. Okay. So with one of my children, lest anybody think we had a perfect environment and she's made this public, she's, she's put this on social media. So I'm not, you know, giving out something that she wanted to keep private, but one of my children, you know, my girls were ballerinas for many years. And that's a popular sport in the Dominican Republic. They started when they were about four. Well, with that sport, there's a lot of high pressure. Hmm. And before our eyes, you know, that old song, it's a slow fade. Um, we started seeing her waste away. And she became entangled with an eating disorder. Young. She was very young. You asked that question, when did we get deeply rooted? It was through a huge mess such as that, that I thought I have to put everything aside and step into the mud with her. And I challenged her to get off social media completely. And I, I had to with her. And I, you know, several, I went off for about a year completely. Um, but it was, I mean, I could cry talking about it, but it was a moment where we, or a time where we, we put everything aside and I had to pray. I had to, Joy Reyes, if she's hearing this, she taught me something about, she, she said one time, she said, there's such heavy, heavy situations. She said, Kelly, sometimes I have to sleep laying on the floor. So it mm -hmm. keeps me awake praying. And she told me that years ago, and I thought, all right, I got to put this into practice. We had to go to the bottom of the barrel, but mm. that was a, the beginning of a, a heavier journey that turned really beautiful. God has liberated her. God has liberated Amen. her, but it was through a hardship. Yeah. And, and I that's think if anybody thinks that it, that it's been just kind of a slow positive because when you hear kelly talk sometimes you can think oh it's just been all easy and 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 a, and a clean growth and so thank you so much for for sharing that i'm sorry Rita, go ahead no you're good um i i think that's such a cool thing because i think some of the things that words that i've heard you say that i think are so important um is you've made you've taken control of of what choices you made as a mom and then and and not let other people dictate 
what your life looked like. And, and that in turn then had powerful impacts on how you invested into your family uh, because of the choices that you made. You know, and there's a verse. Um, God challenged me with this when we moved to the United States. God challenged me with, would you, would you be willing to give up your re reputation? Hmm. And it was later on that it dawned on me, you know what, Christ, it talks about Christ. He made himself of no reputation. So to the mama, whether you're a housewife, whether you work as a CEO, or whether you're a pastor's wife, would you be willing to give up your reputation with man? Mm. Give up your reputation and just, you know, if you have to, if you have to, if it means living outside the box, when, 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 when God's telling you to do something, would you, would you be willing yeah, so, because I think that, um, and that was one of the questions I was going to ask you. I think as I talk to a lot of moms and I ask a question, what are, what are, you know, what are some of the big investments that you've made in your child's life? Or what are the big conversations that you're having with your child's life? It's almost like I could put the, I could hit the uh, play button every time because so many moms say the exact same thing. And that is, it's almost like, okay, I've got to talk to my kids about sex at some point. And then if we can get past that hurdle, we've had all our big conversations. And, and of course, my kids know they shouldn't use drugs. And of course, my kids know they shouldn't. And so there's a lot of assumptions uh, that I hear. Uh, and then, and, you know, and honestly, I'm going to I'm coming to a question here. But when I when we start to kind of go down the line about how moms are talking to their kids, even about issues that have to do with sex, which is a huge prominent thing in all of our countries. And our kids have to face that and they have to walk through that and deal with that. Uh, they have hormones and they have all kinds of things. And during those teenage years and they've got to process. We wanted to process that in a biblical way. But a lot of times moms are like, I'm like, well, tell me what you told your daughter about sex. And they're like, well, I basically told her that's how you have babies and you shouldn't do it. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> so, so, Kelly, so Kelly, as a mom of daughters, I, I just, can you help us any here? Can you speak into that? Can you give us some advice? Um, how do you help your kids through those big conversations like, uh, talking to because I don't think sex is a one-time conversation. I, I, I think it has to be something. So help, help us out, Kelly. Can you give us some advice here uh, on how we walk our daughters and, and through these heavy conversations? You know what? The first thing I'd say is, you know what? Less emphasis on sex and more emphasis on God calls us to purity because I know what I'm made of. And so much of it is in my mind. And, it, and it's got to be more than just the topic of that act. It's like, you know, it, so much of it for me, even as a married wife, there's a battle of purity. And mm. so my first thing is start out by telling your girls about your own self, your own struggles. Teach them by your own life. Um, I've, I've, Ooh, my girls have heard a lot of mistakes I've made, um, but not just mistakes of the past. What are you, mom? What are you battling to walk out purity today? Not, not just stories of your victories of the past, as if, right? As if, if you got it all together today. Right. Um, I did use um, Passport to Purity. I think that's by Family Life. Passport to Purity. It's a neat little thing. And so it does kind of walk you through it. If you're a mama who this is intimidating and it is kind of scary and, and you're not sure what to do. It's a nice little, um, they really encourage you to kind of get away to a hotel. And, and what I did, I got away to a hotel and with my girls and we made it fun and it wasn't just all solemn but we went through um this little book and they had to journal they had to write we had to talk about our own selves and it kind of guides you through it so passport to purity was was really great i like that and yeah. and yeah and just having that impact on your daughters because they're gonna like boys right and they're gonna get excited about all the boyfriends and all the cutenesses and that those are normal kind of things so uh, so that's good stuff. Uh, and, and I think, you know, letting moms relax. I love that you said they just need to relax a little uh, mm -hmm. as a mom, because I think that's so important. I think sometimes, you know, we uh, it's easy to feel like it all sits on our shoulders. And honestly, it all sits on God's shoulders. Right. I mean, if we're following after him. Absolutely. Absolutely. And don't, you know, look at your own self. 
look at your own self, mom, and don't be fearful that you have to put a facade of perfection before your child, lest your child go berserk if they yeah. find out. You know, I think reality is, you know, that you know, scripture says to not to provoke your child to anger. Mm -hmm. You know, I ponder on that verse a lot. And, you know, for me, I take that as, do I provoke my child to anger by trying to show perfection and I'm looking down on them? And so, you know, share, share your struggles and let Christ be the, the clean one, not you. Mm. I like that. That. That's that is very good. Um, and just, just remembering that it is, and this is one of those things that we need to understand from, from everything that's given to us. We are stewards of our time with our children. We are stewards of our children. Um, they belong to God. And, uh, and it's up to us to, to just be faithful and obedient to him. And kind of, kind of give that role to him. I think that's so uh, important. Thank you so much for sharing today. And you've shared throughout the interview just different, um, different things about yourself. But we always like to end these interviews with some fun, rapid-fire questions. Um, and so um, I'm just going to start. And then me and Reva are going to just attack you from both sides with these fun little questions. <laughs> and we keep saying the word fun. So just relax into it. Um, but you've shared a couple. Number one is um, you've shared a couple of books throughout this interview. But what is one book that has impacted you? Mm -hmm. Evidence Not Seen by Darlene Dadler Rose. All right. What do you enjoy doing in your free time, Kelly? Um, exploring, drinking coffee. Okay. <laughs> well, here's a tough one. Uh, something, what is something that people often get wrong about you? Um, that I am super soft. Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought that. Yeah. Okay. What's your favorite movie? If you have one. I've been contemplating that. Okay, so I'm going to tell you that. I, you know what? Let's go way back. Urban Cowboy. <laughs> there you it. go. I love it. <laughs> Good. All right. Well, <laughs> when you're watching Urban Cowboy, what's your favorite meal? You're going to watch the movie and you're going to eat your favorite meal. What would that be? All right, Allie. Yeah. You know where my heart is. I yeah. can't hardly get that meal, but it's asopao. Oh, so good. Just soupy, soupy rice. Is soupy. that's the only, the soupy rice from the Dominican. Good. With avocado, Dominican avocado on top. Oh, I know. So All good. right. All right. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So I've got one. So um, this is just kind of a, 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 a fun, interesting question, but what's on your, what do you keep on your nightstand? A book and a picture of John and myself and a lamp. All right. Very good. Um, what is a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life that brings you joy? You know, you're, you're coming, you know, you just think of, okay, if today could have something special in it, what would, what would that look like? traveling with ministry mm. good that's good. cool that's cool what are, you, <laughs> what are you deeply grateful for i am deeply grateful this i pray it be till the day i die and this is an easy one that the first day i heard the message of salvation god allowed me to believe it mm. that was the truth mm. that will fill forever be the most thing I'm grateful for. That was not the day of my salvation, mm -hmm. by the way. Yeah. Yeah. That is beautiful. Um, you know, our podcast is called Rooted Deep and it's, you know, just based on Psalm 1. Um, fill in the blank. B being rooted deep for me means, what, what does that mean for you? It means everything up to today, present, that I have taken in from scripture, everything I've read, being deeply rooted is gurgitating it and living by it because it's there yeah. and it, yeah. So deeply rooted is, it, it's not even making sure that I'm in the scripture today. It's what have I done with the scripture 
that I know so far. What am I doing? That's good. Well, this one might be easy then. What keeps you deeply rooted? What what keeps you rooted deep in, in, in life every day, Kelly? Listening to the Holy Spirit and obeying it. Because he will be faithful. He will be faithful. He speaks. What am I doing? Yeah. Um, obviously, it's, it's being in the word. And, you know, that's another thing. You know, I was a missionary for years. And about 11 years ago, I just kind of like got real frank with the Lord. And I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm a missionary wife. And I'm not in the word every day. And I cried out to the Lord. I said, make me, make me be in your word. Make me crave your word more than my first cup of coffee in the morning. Because the truth is, I don't. And I said that to the Lord and I began begging for the Lord, boost me out of the bed, push me out of the bed and make me love your word, make it turn from black and white to color. And he's, he's done it. So that's, that's awesome. Well, Kelly, it has been so much fun to be with you today. And, uh, you know, it's our prayer that maybe some of the things we've talked about today and some of the words that have been spoken today will obviously be an encouragement, uh, an equipping force for people who are listening. Uh, and maybe there's just one takeaway they can walk away with today that'll help them in their relationship with their young people. Uh, because we, you know, thing I hear very, very often is that, that I'm struggling with my teenager. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I hear that as the entry point to a conversation. I'm, I'm struggling with my young person. And so, um, so I pray today that maybe there's just some, there's just a few things that somebody could walk away with and say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to take that to heart and do something with that because, because uh, we, we long for moms to be successful and we want them to, um, we want them to follow hard after God so that their kids can follow hard after God. So it's been a phenomenal conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. And I'm sure that you'll be back in the future and, and we'll have some more fun conversations because there's, uh, I mean, you're a cooking. I mean, I, I, I want another show about cooking because, uh, uh, Ke- Kelly's got, uh, her own little cooking world going on over there. And so, uh, I'm not a cook either. So we may need to have a, a couple more conversations about Spanish that comes easy and cooking that comes easy. <laughs> <laughs> all right thank well you listen so much, thanks Kelly. For, yeah thanks for joining us uh, today on the podcast uh stay in god's word this week and keep keeping deeply rooted in the things that will change your life until next time we'll talk to you later thank you for listening to rooted deep to learn more about dare for more ministries go to dareformore.org and look up mercy workshop at mercyjewelry.org.